Hello, well-being friends. Welcome to the Path to Well-Being in Law podcast, an initiative of the Institute for Well-Being in Law. Uh, I am joined again by my great co-host, Bree Buchanan. My name is Chris Newbold, Executive Vice President of Alps. Uh, Bree, I'm, I'm pretty excited about our guest today. How about you? I know we've got somebody who's really famous. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's always great to kind of bring, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that that the legal profession in general, uh, perceptions of it can be driven by by media, uh, television, movies, uh, books. Uh, and uh, I think that we are uh, super excited to uh, have uh, a guest today that um, is, you know, uh, really kind of sharing uh, her novel was the the basis for uh, a Netflix series that is uh, uh, pretty popular right now. And so um, our, our our guest today is Helen Wan. And, and uh, Bree, if you could uh, quickly, um, yeah, talk a little bit about uh, Helen and who she is. And, and, Absolutely. and, and yeah, I would love to. And, you know, Chris, when you were talking about the history of portrayal of law in the media, I first thought of Legally Blonde. Yeah, yeah. I always think of LA Law, right? And um, again, these are not oftentimes real perceptions of the yeah. profession, but the reality is, you know, people, you know, particularly folks considering law school and other things. I mean, it, I think it does have a, you know, even going back to the old Perry Mason days, right? Right. Uh, it does I think it does actually have a, a, a folks look at the law through the lens and i think the media creates some of that lens so that, that's why i think this will be a really fun conversation particularly given helen's uh the, the subject matter that she tackled based upon her own personal experience i know and i think of helen you know creating this this lens through which so many up and coming law students may see the profession so enough about you and me chris let me talk about that <laughs> Helen Wan is an author and a lawyer and a graduate of Amherst College and the University of Virginia School of Law. She's the author of the 2013 novel, The Partner Track, which just launched as a new TV series on Netflix, incredibly exciting. It's the story of an Asian American woman and her law colleagues as they compete in the culture of a prestigious global law firm. The book is taught in colleges and law schools and first year seminars and ethics courses and is used by law firms and companies in dialogues about DEI. And the book is being translated in several into several languages, including Turkish. I just think that's so interesting. <laughs> the partner track began as subway scribblings on a legal pad when Helen was a first year associate at a large New York law firm. She writes primarily about how race, gender, socioeconomic class, and culture impact ambition, ambition and our pursuit of happiness, and I will add well-being. And Helen has written for the Washington Post. In fact, she has appeared on the cover of the Washington Post magazine, uh, CNN.com, The Daily Beast, and The Huffington Post, among others. Before becoming a writer, Helen practiced media and intellectual property law in New York, both at law firms and as an in-house counsel at the Time, Inc. division of Time Warner, Inc., A&E, Television Networks, and the Hatchet Book Club. Book Group USA. You can follow her on Twitter at Helen Wan One, the number one, and visit her website at HelenWan.com. Helen, we will now let you speak. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hello. Thank you both for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's so great. And so, Helen, I'm going to jump in and ask you um, just the question that we really like to start off our podcast to, to, to kind of take us into a place that is, you know, personal and and um, and just in our background and where we come from and how we see the world. So 
tell us about what are the experiences in your life that made you care about and be, I would say, even passionate about the well being of those in the legal profession, particularly those from a diverse background? Sure. Um, well, uh, um, just by way of, you know, a, a little background um, about how I even came to law school, yeah. uh, I was born in California um, and raised, but raised uh, on the East Coast. And um, I went, you know, uh, I, I went to, uh, you know, undergrad in Massachusetts, and then I went directly to law school. And it wasn't based on any sort of burning desire to be Perry Mason <laughs> that I you know, went directly to law school. It really was that when I was a senior trying to decide um, on a career path, I, um, I, I grew up the you know, uh, eldest child of first generation Chinese American uh, immigrants. Mm -hmm. And so there was, you know, there were certain kind of family approved or culturally or society, you know, society approved um, careers, such as law, medicine, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, engineering, perhaps, you know, finance, accounting. And right. I just, I was trying to decide on a career path. And I thought, well, what is it that I'm, that I'm passionate about? And it was words, you know, working with words. Mm. And so truly the, 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 the calculus was not much more Complicate, complicated than that. It was, it was really kind of like, okay, well, out of that, out of this group of careers, um, lawyer, well, lawyers work with words. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I guess, I guess, great. You know, so I, I, I suppose, let me try the law school, the, the, the legal profession path. And I went and took the, you know, LSAT and I did well enough. I got into law schools and I um, picked the one where I knew I was going to get a good legal education plus in-state tuition because I had grown up in the um, in the northern Virginia suburbs mm -hmm. and um, yeah so there I was in in law school and then my first job out of law school was literally you know like Ingrid the protagonist of um, the partner track my first job was in the corporate you know mergers and acquisitions department at a large uh, law firm in New York city. So and Helen, did you, I, I got to, you know, obviously I, I think a lot of, you know, law students, uh, you know, when you make that jump into that first career position, mm -hmm. um, what'd you think? Did you, did you like it? Did you detest it? Did you find it, you know, what, what talk, talk about your kind of your emotional mindset, you know, as, as you went and, and took that leap. Sure. So when I first landed at that firm, um, I truly didn't know what to expect, to be perfectly honest. I, I didn't have any specific expectations <laughs> uh, for that first job. But, but when I got there, I realized, oh, wow, this is, I mean, I might as well have landed on the moon because it, it was such a, to me at least, um, as a young, <laughs> you know, freshly minted lawyer, um, to have landed there, it just felt like such an alien culture to me. Um, and at that point in, in time now, obviously not just to date myself, I've, it's been decades and decades, obviously, since I've been in law school, but I felt like law school did not really prepare people for the, um, the, the cultural entry into your first law job. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, um, I was just, 
I mean, everyone there, everyone there obviously had the had the academic goods. Otherwise, you're, you're just not going to be at a place right. like that. But um, but on top of that, there there needed to be an, this extra, you know, this and this extra kind of um, familiarity or knowledge of how the game was played, what rules really applied, and what rules nobody followed. You know, yeah. <laughs> and I I just kind of felt like I had been um, I didn't have the decoder ring. You know, yeah. I felt like everyone else did. <laughs> and somehow I was absent the day they passed them out. Um, right. Helen, but, can you give some examples of that? Anything? Um, um, just just the very, very first weeks we were there, they, they had us attend a very uh, thorough, you know, well-executed and beautiful um, orientation for the new recruits, for the new, new associates. And it was in a hotel, you know, a hotel ballroom. And the person sitting next to me um, also, you know, obviously this, this other entering, entering junior lawyer um, turned to me and said, he introduced himself with his, you know, his, his law, law school name and that he was on law review and that he, he hoped to, you know, in three years be, have done X and in six years time have done Y and then, you know, and um, had everything all, all mapped out. His whole career plan all, right. <laughs> you know, and I just thought to myself, oh, wow. Like, I just kind of want to get through this orientation week, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and it, it just, he, you know, he, he told me, he turned to me and he and and he said, "Well, you know, well, what about you? Like, what do you? Where do you see yourself in? Like, you know, you know, five, ten years from now." And uh, and I and I said, "I I just want to uh, you know have found meaningful work and be pretty satisfied with where I am yeah. <laughs> with, with my career and 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 family or what other things that I've chosen to do in life." And he. And he said, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, he was like, well, well, I'm here, well, I'm in it to win it. <laughs> he, he, he said to me, I'm, well, I'm in it to win it. I know that guy. No way. <laughs> I think oh, we all know, know that guy. Oh, Bree, you know him as well? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a small world. But, um, but, and he said it totally, totally unironically, totally unironically. And actually, uh, I actually am still in touch with him. And he is a partner now. He's a senior partner. Of course. <laughs> there right. you go. So, so, so it worked. <laughs> so it's oh my gosh. So, well, tell us about your book, uh, Partner Track. So my novel, um, The Partner Track, which I think, as you are, mentioned, was originally published back in 2013. Um, and it, it, so it's great. It, it's been inter very interesting. And I feel very fortunate that it's kind of gotten... I guess fresh life breathed into it now, you know, uh, almost a, a decade later. Um, I think because there's more of a cultural lens focused on these topics, on these DEI topics now. Right. Um, so it's timely, it's, it's you know, timely. Um, but I started writing the book because I, well, I was working these 80 hour, 80 hour work weeks and I just needed some, sort of a creative outlet. Mm -hmm. And I, I literally started putting literal pen to paper back then, still like, still, you yeah. know, on paper. <laughs> and um, 
I would journal about these observations and patterns that I was seeing, you know, like who was sitting with whom in the corporate cafeteria, you know, in, in, the, in the law firm lunchroom, who was being invited along on certain client pitch meetings and who was not, yeah. who was finding themselves being, you know, spending, spending good quality bonding time with uh, certain mentors or sponsors and who was not getting that kind of Right. So all of those kinds of things I began writing down as little sketches. Mm. And then and then when I had I found that I had a critical mass, I had a, a critical mass of those page of those sketches and pages. And I started showing them to a group of trusted friends, like confidant right. friends, who, by the way, are not were not all lawyers. You know, they were working in all different kinds of industries and, and roles. Um, but but they had faced similar experiences in their jobs. You know, so um, and then and and I shared I I shared some of those pages and then people, my friends responded like, hey, what if you tried to? Nobody's telling these stories. No one's talking about these issues. Why don't you try to get some of them published? And I had no idea how to get go about getting something published. You know, so yeah. um, so I literally went to the bookstore and got one of those how do you get a first book published for dummies type books, you know? And, and I literally, I, li I followed those rules and, and it kind of worked. <laughs> so, That's great. I yeah. love it. So. Then Helen, can you, just for our listeners who have uh, not read the book or seen the series yet, can you just kind uh -huh. of set the, set, set the storyline of, of kind of, you know, what, what, at what point is, is the book uh, kind of, focused on and and um it just kind of yeah just kind of set the table a little bit for uh for the, the the setup of the book sure yeah happy to um so the so in a, in a nutshell the the novel follows a um a young chinese american um junior um you know well associate Associates. who is trying to make partner at a very very large and prestigious um, and rather traditional um, global law firm in the New York office. And it follows not only her, um, although it, it focuses primarily on her, you know, POV, but it also focuses on the experiences of her cohort, you know, that she's up against, competing against for partner. And um, what I was trying to accomplish with, the, with my novel was, well, <laughs> just just personally as a reader, I love kind of really tight uh, um, ensemble casts type novels and and movies myself um, that talk about group dynamics in a in a tense kind of pressure cooker type environment, and so that was sort of what I was trying to bring across with 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 my book, um, and I just wanted to show a. An underrepresented um, perspective on navigating that kind of corporate culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, we, this podcast, we really have spent our, I guess, twenty-five episodes plus, Chris, and counting, mm -hmm. on amplifying the voices of those in the well-being and law space. And your book, which is now a TV show, really has added to that conversation. So I'm wondering if um, Helen. If you could have 30 minutes in a room 
<laughs> with law firm leadership, maybe you could throw in some of the leadership from the firm you worked for, I don't know, and could talk to them about what you think they should do differently. What mm-hmm. would you say? Well, I actually have been pretty encouraged by um, kind of the, the evolution in in the, I guess, decade since initial publication of the book until now with the, the launch of the uh, TV series. Because in that intervening time, I've been lucky enough to have um, spoken with and seen kind of the behind the scenes um, uh, DEI strategies at a lot of different legal employers, primarily law, law, law firms, but a lot of other places too, like in-house legal departments um, or even you know the academic world. And there definitely is a lot of progress left to be made. Um, but at least progress is being made, I think, mm-hmm. because I, I, you know, when the book was first published in 2013, and I was, you know, speaking to, to audiences of, of lawyers and law students, um, a lot of times at a firm, it would be a beautiful, gorgeous, gorgeous cocktail party, and no senior management in attendance, you huh. know? Yeah. And, and hey, we're talking about diversity in the legal profession here, but, and no, <laughs> and it would be a whole, it would be like a whole bunch of summer associates, which, which is great, you know, but not a lot of um, visibility with the firm, you know, senior leadership. Nowadays, I think that, that I truly have seen a change in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see more firms really kind of putting their money where their mouth is, you know? Um, I have seen firms do things such as, uh, <laughs> well, make it basically like mandatory for all senior, <laughs> you know, managers, all, all partners to show up for one of these um, dialogues and discussions about increasing inclusiveness at the firm, the feeling mm-hmm. of, inclusiveness and equity at the firm. Um, they do use, you know, often uh, my book as a teaching text. Hmm. And even, and I've seen some <laughs> um, particularly just well, <laughs> really carefully planned events where the firm even has, um, you know, prepared a list of discussion questions and breakout sessions and breakout groups, et cetera. Um, that are pretty thoughtful, you know, and then yeah. everyone, yeah, and and this, the discussion turns into a really fairly meaningful one. So, so I do see, I am encouraged by the changes that I have seen. Yeah, and it seems like that kind of tracks, I'm thinking, in just to the general well-being space in that what we're seeing now is that it's become a part of the conversation. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a start. You got to start there. You got to get it, in, you know, people talking about it and thinking about it, but there's still a long way to go to, to bring about real change. Absolutely. Right. Yes, I, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, and Helen, one of the things that I, I think is really powerful about what you've written about and, and now what has hit the big screen is, is the perspective of associates, right? And, mm-hmm. and because they, uh, you know, we all can envision a scenario in which, let's just call it the power structure is not tilting in your favor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which, which necessarily has folks competing against others um, <laughs> in ways that sometimes are let's just let's just be honest unhealthy, 
um, and then a kind of a lack of a willingness or a wherewithal to speak loudly uh, when there are things that are unhealthy going on within the firm, right? For a lot of, for stigma reasons and otherwise, right? And so I just, I, I just think one of the things that's really interesting, and I think one of the, one, one of the areas of well-being that, uh, that uh, I think there's an associate community out there that uh, probably really empathizes with the plight that you both, you know, you write, you write about, you went through, um, and, and just that, you know, it, it certainly feels like there's more on ramps to be able to kind of vocalize challenges that you're facing, but let's face it 20 years ago, that might not have actually been the case and actually might've been more summarily frowned upon. Yeah, absolutely. That is, I think, one of the reasons why I started my <laughs> little journal scribblings to and from, you know, to and from work is that I was, I was observing the same patterns happen in terms of um, really talented people, really talented lawyers, taking themselves off the vine hmm. very early on, you know, yeah, um, right. and then, uh, you know, and, and if I'd ask them or or have have some private, you know, candid conversations with them, every, everyone essentially said more or less the same thing, which was, oh, well, I could look around and I could see that it was not, it, my career was not going to, um, go smoothly here in the same way that xyz perhaps you know yeah yeah and then so, you had obviously you had gender issues and yeah. diversity issues into the mix and boy that's it's a really it, i just think the, the the story and the and and the nature of it with kind of historical cultures in the legal profession um it's just i, I just what what you're bringing and what you're raising in terms of the consciousness and the awareness of some of these real issues that continue today, I just think is is is, real, is a really powerful element and of uh, of what will come out of uh, of your work. Hey, let's take a, let's take a quick break here. Here from one of our sponsors and uh, and come back and talk a little bit more about uh, about the show and the book. Meet Vera, your firm's virtual ethics risk assessment guide. Developed by Alps, Vera's purpose is to help you uncover risk management blind spots from client intake to calendaring to cybersecurity and more. I require only your honest input to my short series of questions. I will offer you a summary of recommendations to provide course corrections if needed and to keep your firm on the right path. Generous and discreet, Vera is a free and anonymous risk management guide from Alps to help firms like yours be their best. Visit Vera at alpsinsurance.com forward slash Vera. Welcome back, everybody, uh, to the Wellbeing in Law podcast. And today we have author Helen Wan, who wrote the book Partner Track in 2013 and has now been turned into a television show that was just recently released. I think it was in, uh, cause I started to watch it and I love it, Helen, it was the beginning, beginning I think of August, 2022. But what was it like to work on turning that book into a TV show? Oh, it's, it's been, truly, it's, it's been a very thrilling, <laughs> uh, a very thrilling ride. And because I just never, I never, 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 you know, over two decades ago when I began writing the book, I never would have expected that the stars would align in this way and that one day 
I would be walking, literally would be able to be walking through uh, Times Square in Manhattan uh -huh. and look up and see, <laughs> you know, the uh -huh. Parker Rack featured on uh, the big old gigantic uh, Netflix oh, digital billboard. Hell you know, that gave me chills. It really did. It really did, Brie. I, yeah. I stood there and I, I just stood there for a couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it just was, um, it just was amazing because I, I just stood there and, and watched the loop several times. So, so there's, you know, like, you know, Ozark, Stranger Things, Squid Game and Parker Track, you know? Wow. <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay. Oh my gosh. I wish I could have seen a film of that, of you seeing that. Anyway. <laughs> So Helen, what's been the, what's been the biggest surprise to you since since the the, the launch and you know obviously um, Netflix is a worldwide audience right and and uh, so I got to imagine that uh, mm -hmm. quite a few folks have come out of the uh, your history and your your background to, to to reach back out to you and I'm just kind of curious on on what the biggest surprise was. Um, it well, yeah, you kind of you kind of hit the nail on the head. I have I have been lucky enough to be hearing from so many, um, you know, old dear friends and colleagues. And um, I heard from my high school prom date, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I heard from my prom date, I heard from my, you know, like a middle school um, English teacher. And it's just been, it's, you know, it's, it's been pretty amazing. Who knew, who knew so many people read Variety or Hollywood Reporter, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and it's been yeah, it's been amazing. And and the other, um, probably the the best and happiest uh, surprise for me has been just the 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 tremendously positive and enthusiastic support that the show has gotten. But not just from lawyers or groups of law students or or even um, groups of women lawyers or Asian American lawyers or what have you, no particular, you know, like this community or that community or that community, just just people in general, um, just from all quarters. And that has been just really positive and encouraging for me to see. No kidding. So Helen, looking back now that you have the benefit of, you know, being able to deploy hindsight at 2020 vision, what would you mm -hmm. have done differently? Uh, what do you wish that you had known when you started? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what's uh, what was the decoder? You know, you <laughs> decoder yeah. Yeah. now that I'm a lot older and a little bit wiser, I would like to think, um, I think I just would have walked in there with more, um, self-confidence, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think that I would have walked into not just that particular law firm role, but every job that I right. have held since with just with more, um, more, more confidence that I could try to bring my, I mean, I know this is kind of a cliche way to say it, but bring my authentic self to work. And mm -hmm. if it didn't work, then I would know that, hey, perhaps it's time to seek out some place that perhaps is more where I would feel more included or right. would feel more valued or perhaps the the values of that particular workplace would be more aligned with my own um yeah. so I think that I, I would have just walked in with more more confidence and not been so um not 
not hold the belief that that hey, okay, what what a legal employer wants is someone who just lives, breathes, you know, like <laughs> the law twenty four seven. Because that's not true. What they want is what they want is kind of I think happy people who are pleasant to be around, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so um, I, I think that I would have I wish I had come to that conclusion um, sooner because I think that I would have wasted less time kind of spinning my wheels, you know? Yeah, yeah. And having the, being able to have the belief that when you walk into that space, you deserve mm -hmm. to be there. Right. You know, that, yeah. that, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, I, I'm curious on, on as, you, as you reflect on the, 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 the book, the storyline and so forth, I mean, do you, do you see it as a, as a, as a cautionary tale an expose, a tutorial, like, I mean, as you, as you, you, you obviously, you, you, I think you shared in the storylines, you know, just a, a, a number of, I think, very interesting elements to a journey, you know, again, with, 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 with gender, with race, with, you know, first generation elements. I mean, there, there's just kind of, yeah, and you know, even remarking upon the you know the person who's like you know I'm in it to win it, right? Um, but mm -hmm. I'm just kind of curious on how you how you look at the storyline today versus you know obviously when you when you when you wrote the book um, almost a decade ago. Hmm. It's funny. I I did not think of it as an expose when I was yeah. writing. Truly, I was <laughs> truly what I was trying to do when I first began this project was it was just kind of like my my creative outlet my written therapy you know from a stressful week at work yeah <laughs> so but then this, it, it eventually evolved into um you know a proper kind of like a story arc with the, and mm -hmm. it populated with um you know different more perspectives and more characters. Um, so truly, I kind of wrote it just as sort of my, <laughs> my creative outlet. It was sort of my way to be, um, to have well-being in the law, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, I needed to have a creative outlet and so that was mine. Absolutely. And do you have advice for law students or those contemplating a legal career? What, what could you say to them? Oh, I think the best advice someone could have given me back when I was trying to, um, you know, embark on my on my first, uh, you know, <laughs> steps in my legal career, would be just to take more time to really ask the savvy questions about a, about the workplace's environment and culture before making any decisions. Um, because I realized fairly early on when I got to my first law job that, oh, okay, I, I don't think that this culturally is the right fit for me. Mm -hmm. um, now that's not to say anything about anybody else's decision, you know, because personally I have very good friends who are still, who are um, senior law partners now and, and are really good at their jobs and just amazing lawyers, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, so e it's each, person it's it's you know person by person obviously for me that was not the right fit culturally um and I think that I would have I I would have 
taken the time to do a little more research, to ask smarter questions, to understand, you know, before making any decisions, and also to um, realize that, hey, it's not <laughs> just because just just because you can continue grabbing more gold stars, you don't have to, mm. you know? So. Yeah, I think it's very interesting that I, I, you know, one of the things that makes me optimistic that well-being will continue to become a more prominent conversation topic, particularly in in, mm -hmm. in the big law community, is the fact that I think the most talented law students coming out are asking more of the tougher questions on the front end, right? That oh, it's a, yeah. it's there used to be I think a again a, oh I really want to get in at that particular firm because that you know, that, that will cement a pathway to, for me to success right. where, where generationally now there's a little bit more of a, you know, I, I know that I have a lot to offer, but I also am coming at this with um, more appropriate expectations as to what my work-life balance might look like right. and are asking those questions as part of the interview process. So it's a, it's a two-way hiring street versus kind of a one-way. Um, yes. And if we've gotten there, that I think can be a catalyst to the culture shift that that uh, that firms what they value in terms of talent acquisition and talent retention mm -hmm. changes the game quite a bit. Um, and yeah. and I I think that your story and the partner track gives uh, you know kind of sheds some interesting new light on some of those kind of realistic elements of of culture in firms that I think. Uh, will play out, I think, in very interesting ways in the in in the years to come. Well, yeah. Well, thank you for that compliment because, um, yeah, I, I I've been fortunate enough to be speaking with um, lots of groups of of uh, law students, you know, and their law profs, and yeah, these students are really just much much just asking very wise questions questions about their future employers, and not just about the future employers, but just about the state of the profession generally, or, you know, asking, really asking things like, okay, well, at this place, um, what is the makeup of the, what is the, the partner group makeup? How long did that person take to make partner? How many mm. partners, you know? And what is the path to partner? Is it clearly laid out? What happens if you, you know? Right. These are all, these are all very savvy questions that I, to be honest, I personally did not even know to ask when I was a 2L or 3L. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Chris and I both are first generation to go to the law, to law, into law. And absolutely, if you don't have somebody laying that down for you, mm -hmm. um, you don't know what you're supposed to ask and those questions and things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and the waters can obviously be pretty choppy when you don't have perspective and, and uh, and and then you come into environments in which you know the the let's just say that the environment can be um, uh, some welcoming, some not so welcoming, and then some with with undertones that you would have never known before. Right. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, and I and I will add too, though, that sometimes some of these uh, these instances where you know I, I did not necessarily feel very in, included in conversations or, 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 you know, whatever the circumstance was. Um, I don't feel that it was intentional or necessarily, you know, like, you know, intentional or, or um, 
blatantly racist or sexist or anything. It was just, it's just what you know. It's just who you know, you know who you know, like what is comfortable and familiar to you. And you know, um, one one thing that happened to me, which really made me want to start writing this, was that uh, I I I was invited. See, I was I was invited along to a lunch, um, along with along with um, some other of my cohort who had also just entered the firm recently, and. It was at a, you know, it was at a you know fancy steakhouse type restaurant, um, and the conversation turned to sailing, right? And sailing camp. <laughs> now I've ne- I had never been to sailing camp in my entire life, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone apparently everybody else has so, or 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 I don't know, but but they they apparently to me they all have, yeah. so. It was a little talking about, oh my gosh, well, well, okay, like I went to this sailing camp. Oh my goodness, do you know blah blah blah? Yes, we went to summer camp all the, the t- time together, and then we went to this academy together, you know, mm-hmm. um, before college and law school. And and I just, you know, so I was like politely trying to trying to listen and, and trying to trying to get in uh, get a word in edgewise. And sometimes I would succeed, but then you no know, no one was intentionally trying to exclude me from being a, a part of the conversation, obviously. Um, it's just that I had no way to join the, that conversation and nobody was, you know, <laughs> no one was allowing that foothold into the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I would try to get a word in edgewise, inevitably the conversation would soon quickly, you'll quickly turn back to the Connecticut sailing yeah. You know, yeah. and that's when I was like, "Hey, I'm going to take the legal pad and start writing this stuff down." <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and decades later, now it's on Netflix. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, so much, so much of what I, I know that you know, we 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 did a, a kind of a mini series on the podcast on the kind of the the nexus between uh, and the inherent nexus between diversity, equity, inclusion, and this mm-hmm. sense of what. I think you're getting at, which is also the sense of belonging, right? right? And 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 sometimes, you know, not having the context to kind of feel like you can be part of conversations because you don't have the shared experience, right? And and uh, I just think that that's a it's a real um, a, that's a real element that sometimes has people feeling like they're they're just they you know maybe this isn't my place, right? And that's maybe not be intentional, but the but the reality is that there that there are elements to that and and uh and they're real right yes absolutely so well helen this was a this was a this is a great podcast and and i appreciate uh you know we had a chance to meet uh back in in august in in chicago uh mm-hmm. helen was the keynote speaker in front of the national conference of women's bar associations okay. you know where i had a chance to uh to mm-hmm. meet her before the series dropped and 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 I could immediately tell that uh, you know Helen has a has a passion for seeing people want to, you know, ultimately find professional satisfaction in the practice of law, and uh, and and again her willingness to be able to I think uh, identify some of the real issues that associates face in their journey in the legal profession I think will will kind of continue to serve as an important 
uh, part of the well-being conversation moving forward. So, Helen, thank you so much for joining us, and we continue to want to incorporate you into well-being activities with the Institute for Well-being and Law. And and uh, and, and thanks for for sharing your experience. Absolutely, thank you. Thank you both so much for inviting me today. It was a pleasure. All right, we will be back in a couple of weeks with the next. Uh, podcast. And until then, uh, be well out there, friends.